Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 295. And tonight, we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 200, Susan Willman Comes Clean. Wow, 9.5 years, they said, to get to 200 episodes. I, I was a little shocked, but for a different reason. For some reason, I thought we were already close to 300. So time, oh. time be weird, and I'm obviously not paying attention. No, no that's fine. Uh, we are also going to talk about Laura Olympus and we are, unbelievably, we are caught up with Hawkeye as of this moment. However, as of the time this episode drops, the final episode will have come out. And we're going to tell you right now, we're not talking about that because this is Sunday. Time is weird. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually Monday, by the way. Oh, the time is really good. <laughs> so, uh, jumping into the episode... Um, Cecil's talking about Susan Willman and how she had been a valued member of the PTA. <laughs> valued in big old quotes there. Yeah. But then she had her run-in with the obelisk in Night Vale, and now she is really weird, and she also wants to come on to the show at the radio station. I Cecil is having no charity in his heart for her whatsoever. No, no. Not anything. I mean, he Cecil got a call from Steve Carlsberg at one point, who said that Cecil says Steve Carlsberg is a great person. He won't hear anything bad about him. But Steve said that people at this very radio station used to say mean things about him. And it really hurts. So Cecil's going to try to be nice to Susan. I don't. It doesn't sound like Cecil's acknowledging that he was the one that was hurtful to Steve. No, I in Cecil's mind, I think Cecil edited that knowledge out a long time I ago. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's just going to make her wait for a while, though. So before he lets her talk, he gives everybody an update on Kashik, who is still missing. And even weirder, Cecil's been putting up uh, missing, you know, missing cat posters everywhere, and he keeps finding them torn down and ripped to shreds and a sign, do not look for us, scrawled all over it in a really weird handwriting. But he misses his cat, and his cat is very elderly, and he really wants to have him back. So he's he's not making the connection between the witch from the Whispering Forest no. and Kashik. No, I don't think so. I mean, he has no reason to do so. We sure do, though, that's for sure. But he jumps into some news about um, we had that one star that had been created in the underground pulsar facility, I something guess. Something like that. The yeah. um, astronomy, astrology group, something like that. They... They built this thing and raised the money for it with bake sales, which is just such an amazingly Night Vale thing. There's really nothing else you can say about that. Yeah. But it, it is powering all the lights at the high school stadium. I mean, and that's the only thing that it's powering. And the yeah. lights are, he described it as being so bright that you can't even see anymore. So it's even worse than if they had just decided to play in total darkness. Mm-hmm. But some people have some complaints. Yeah. And I love that that wasn't actually a complaint. No, no. Leanne Hart, uh, the newspaper, she doesn't like it. John Peters, I love the fact, because a lot of this facility is being supported by taxes. And he says, look, I don't have, I'm all for taxes. I just don't want to pay any of them. I want to have all the benefits of society without the costs. Hang on, that didn't come out right. Let me redo that. But he didn't get a chance to redo it. So anyway. Yeah, and Lee Hart also said, stars are dumb and we shouldn't have to depend on them. Mm, yeah, that, that seems fair. But anyway, yeah, all this is just really seems like Cecil is just digging around for things to keep Susan Willman from coming on the show. Yeah, because she's making a lot of declarative statements, mm-hmm. and he doesn't really go into detail about what those statements are, but he's just really irritated 
all the damn time <laughs> with her. Uh-huh. But the only reason why he's going to let her on, not really from Steve's words, but f- because it's a community radio station, which means the community owns it, and she's a member of the community. And he's kind of saying, I'll eventually let her on. And she breaks in at that point and says, no action is without consequences. I am the destroyer. And then that's it. We move on to something different. And that was a new voice. I don't think yeah. I've heard that woman, that actress no, voice. Actress no, voice. I don't think we have. Okay, a little bit of an instant correction. We usually have to do this to the post afterwards, but I just realized I did something uh, boneheaded. The Astronomical Society did not raise money to to build the quasar in the underground facility with bake sales. That they were raising money for a renovation of the moon, oh, which is that's right. so outdated. Yeah. That they really need to upgrade its appearance. Yeah. And they're gonna do that with what they described as a quote unquote pretty tall ladder. So yeah. If you guys ever get a chance to look up any of Catherine Valente's short story collections, one of my favorite stories that she has ever written is How to Build a Ladder to the Sun. Uh, we go into the spawn. Sponsors. Interestingly enough, the sponsor this week is Duolingo, and we are both on Duolingo, so we appreciate anything that makes fun of them. Yes, and especially the fact that they say, yes, we are still Candy Crush that pretends to teach you language. It's like, hey, <laughs> just because I do my daily exercises because I want to make the little animated owl happy yeah. does not mean it's a game. Yeah, quite. Right. <laughs> anyway, and they do have three new languages, Yiddish, Silence, and Hector. And Hector is a language that doesn't exist yet, but it will exist in the post-apocalyptic time of the 2400s. Yeah. And at this point, the description kind of loses the plot because it talks about how, you know, this is a really convenient way for you to learn a language. You could, if you wanted to, take a train and a plane and a car to a place that you've never been. It starts describing this house with this yard and this person, and you're just like, please let me in. I don't know how to talk to people. Teach me how you talk. And it just went on for a while. Yeah, to the point where you spend your entire lifetime with this person, and then either when they die or you die, uh, you say, thank you, you made my life worth living. Mm -hmm. But that's such a time suck, so why don't you just use Duolingo? Duolingo, the app that goes bing when you get the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) And it does, it does do that. It does do that, yes. Anyway, uh, Cecil is saying that Susan Woolman is shouting at me through the glass, and this is when he talks more about Steve Carlsberg, and he realizes Steve kind of has a point in everything, and he's like, okay, she's now opened her mouth wider than I thought possible, and black smoke is pouring out of her face, and I totally take back my whole apology. And meanwhile, she's screaming, I have become other! Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Cecil's media corner at this point, he's talking about how let's just learn about what media really is, and media is definitely not something that teaches you something that you didn't know before. It's basically teaching you something that you're comfortable learning that won't bother you, I guess. Is media's job is to confirm your own prejudices and opinions and outlooks. Yeah, and that the best thing a media can do, you know, because what won't someone think of the children? What if we gave them some information that they didn't immediately understand and we had to, I don't know, do something like, what, sit down and explain it to them? No, 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 no. We're just going to give everybody all the news that a five-year-old would be able to understand without any explanations whatsoever. I'm going, wow, these guys have an axe to grind this week. They really do! Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Susan is now waving and shouting and she's coming into the room and um, he says, well, we'll uh, we'll give her more of a time when we get back from the weather. No, 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 no. And she screams out, I am a Hunto car. And we're like, whoa. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, we recognize that name. Yeah. Um, she says, you have already been destroyed. You just don't know it yet. And then we go to the weather. 
And I liked the weather, but I cannot describe it. I wrote down um, pop electronic rock. Yeah, it was good. I was yeah. bouncing along with it. I, I liked it. It's probably something I'm going to need to look up and add to my uh, playlist yeah, on YouTube. Yeah. And one of those um, really neat chord changes going on, and I like that. It was No Ordinary Wave by Lay Placier, P-L-A-I-S-I-R. Mm-hmm. So it was nice. We liked it. So we get back, and it is the voice actress who is Susan Willman. But she says she is also Hunter Carr, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she talks about how she was born as Susan Willman in 1975, but she was also born in the mudroom of the universe as Hunter Carr, mm-hmm. and she just goes on like that yep. about how she's now two different things, and like she remembers being, you know, concerned with little things as Susan Willman, like the PTA, and she also was concerned about little things as Huntercar, like the founding of the town of Nightvale and mm-hmm. all of the evolution of the worship ceremonies they did with soft meat crowns. Yep, yep. And she says that Cecil was always annoyed with Susan Willman because he found her annoying, and Susan was always annoyed with Cecil because she found him annoying, but none of those things are really important anymore. And she's going to miss Susan Willman, so mm-hmm. It sounds like she's becoming more and more Hunter Car now. Yeah. She ends it with uh, talking about this is now what the story is. So let me begin. This is a story about Hunter Car, said a voice on the radio that you've never heard before. And yet she has been speaking to you your whole life. And then it kind of echoes away to nothing. And then the episode ends. We didn't have Cecil give us the good night, night Vale, good night thing. No, and that's not too many times that we've not had that. No, no, it was definitely odd. And because at this point, I'm like, okay, so what happened to Cecil at that moment? Uh, Tina Parker was the name of the actress. Okay, all right. So we'll probably be hearing more from her. Uh, Do we have one more episode, or are we already going to be jumping into the uh, uh, January break? Oh, we're going to be jumping. Yeah, they're going to be on a hiatus for all of January. So, yeah, I think uh, episode 200 is all we get for the next month. Yeah, so we'll find out what happened next in February. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speaking of things that are also going on hiatus soon, so we've got the latest episode of Laura Olympus to discuss. So also did not move things forward that much, except... There was a delightful scene with Hades and Persephone, and Persephone wanted to know why Hades banned the sun god, Apollo, Mm -hmm. from the underworld. And it's actually something that's surprisingly, you know, down to earth. It's that, um, I'm sorry, Asclepius was the famous mythological doctor, Mm -hmm. but he's also the son of Apollo. Yes. And Hades went to Asclepius to see if he could tell him anything about why he's sterile. Yeah. And Asclepius told Apollo, and Apollo told everybody. Yep. Yep. So that, I do not blame him. I mean, there were probably lots of other reasons for not wanting Apollo to be hanging around, but not having him in the underworld because of that, I agree with. But Asclepius was also Hera's doctor, and he's obviously feeding information to Apollo about that as well. Yeah, which... I don't know, that's going to get him in trouble with everybody, because as soon as, I mean, obviously Zeus is not particularly fond of Apollo, and when he finds out that Apollo's got an inside ear to all of this, I mean, Zeus, oh, yeah, that would be really bad. But, as a related note, um, you know, he's telling Persephone all of this, and Persephone's being a very good ear for it, and then she says something like, what, I could give you a baby? Or I, I could make a baby for you if you wanted to. And of course, you know, spit take from Hades. And she's just like trying to cover what I mean is there's more than one way to make a baby. And she goes in this whole long complicated thing that Hades could make spectral fire or something. And then she could take it and use her powers as a fertility goddess or whatever to make a baby. And it 
was just like when when they had that conversation at Hades's place, and Cerebus comes in and farts, and yes. you know, Hades just collapses on the couch. Shame. It's exactly <laughs> what Persephone does here. Oh, yes. She's just talking and talking and talking and trying to cover, and then she's down on the ground. Shame. And Hades is just sitting there having his coffee. So mm-hmm. it's like he's he's decided. She, I mean, it was probably a little invasive and presumptive of her to say something like that. It is also pretty adorable it that is. she just has no filter on her mouth. Nope, none whatsoever, and didn't even stop to think about what it would sound if she said, I can make a baby for you. He's like, Persephone! She's like, no, wait, 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 wait. But the ending of the episode was Ares coming to talk to Zeus, and Zeus is you know, basically, oh, this guy, because I think a lot of people have been making comments, but Ares is being surprisingly like intuitive about stuff, because mm-hmm. he's just trying to figure out why none of this seems to make sense. Yeah. Because Zeus has never had any problems with giving the other gods something to make them happy. And why not give Persephone to Hades? Why go to all this length? Because, I mean, you know, she is really the most beautiful goddess out there, one of them. And this would, and his, the way he's been dragging out this whole trial doesn't make sense. And I think he said something like, this isn't this isn't a plan. This is war. Yeah, and, and that's, of uh, course, if it's war, Ares is all in. Yeah, but it is interesting though that Ares does kind of like Persephone. You know, he's he's been fond of her for a long time. I mean, sure, he'd rather do a lot more than be fond of her. Sure, but he's I don't think he's ever. I don't know. He was certainly he lied to her when he first met her and pretended that she was teaching him how to read and whatever. But he hasn't gone full Apollo on her. I think he genuinely just, I don't know, he likes her. So I feel like if the chips were down, Ares would come down on Persephone's side. I think so. And Ares is, I don't think he has any, he doesn't have any illusions about what kind of a person he is. Because, yeah. I mean, you've seen that a few times. I mean, yes, he lied to Persephone, but when he met her at Hades' office and he actually influenced her to, like, go into rage mode. Yeah. And Hades was telling her, she's 16 years old. She doesn't have the strength to handle your games. And Ares said something like, I'm sorry. I was just trying to get a rise out of her and make her upset for my own entertainment. And it's yeah. just like, he wasn't trying to pretend that he was doing anything other than what he was doing. Yeah, which makes him a nicer person than Apollo. Anyway, yeah, really, you know? yeah, really, really. Yeah. And I think he's had like a, a team. I think there was at least one shot where he had a, a T-shirt that said Team Persephone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does like her, so... So what I want to know is war with who? Yeah, that's what I wondered too. War with Hades, you know? I mean, because if Zeus knows about this fertility goddess thing, then he could suspect that Hades, who, I don't know, how much does he know about Hades' relationship with Hera? Does he think that Hades would try to take over from him? And the funny thing is, if... Zeus pushes Hades too hard, Hades will try to throw his weight around. He's making this ha- this thing that he's afraid of, somebody trying to overthrow him, he's making it happen by going after Persephone. And I honestly, my first thought was that he was a little bit more small-minded on Zeus's part. Hmm. And that it's either he doesn't like Hades showing independence, uh-huh. but also... Zeus pretty much influenced his very um, fragile older brother into taking on the underworld because Zeus didn't want to do it. And he didn't want the responsibility of that. And he also wanted Hades to be as far away from Hera as possible so that Zeus could have her. But now, 
I think he's getting an idea of the power that's there in Hades. And I mean, Ares even talked about there's a lot of resources that Zeus needs in the underworld. Yeah. So I think Zeus has possibly decided that now he wants to be in charge of the underworld in addition to Olympus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, would Zeus actually try to take Persephone in order to have her fertility goddess power? Or is he just trying to keep Hades from having her so that Hades doesn't have the fertility goddess power? I don't know. And I don't think Zeus knows about that whole thing with Tartarus and the pomegranate and anything like that. So I don't think the underworld would accept Zeus as their king the way they accept Hades. True, true. Because they didn't accept Hades in the beginning, though, right? It took him a while to win them over. Well, it took him going down to Tartarus and taking the pomegranate and making the sacrifice which we assume now is him becoming sterile and not being able to leave the underworld for an extended length of time. But there could be more going on. I just don't know if we're going to get back to the trial before we go on a four-month hiatus. Gracious. What's the, like, is it around the 1st of January is going to be the last episode that we get to read? Uh, I think it's a little further than that. I think it's the um, the Fast Pass people of get the, the final episode a little earlier than we did. Right, so, yeah. Right, yeah. So we'll have to double-check that and maybe put a post about it in the description or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I'm already not looking forward to four months without mm, Lauren no. Lewis. However, uh, Saga does come back in February. Ah, yes, we will have that. Okay, so other things that we are caught up with which we need to discuss is Hawkeye. And we actually <laughs> got a text message from Joshua Kay, who had listened to our episode last week talking about Hawkeye. And he texted to say, you guys need to get caught up because episode five, which is the second to last episode, he said he and his daughter watched it and they really enjoyed it. And he also said to make sure to watch the end credits and the art change. And we were like, oh, that's interesting. And I hadn't really been watching all of the credits. Just mm-hmm. I would skim through just to make sure there wasn't a post credit scene. But we made sure to watch episode four and we watched the credits which are all very well done and they have a different song each week and everything so yeah we enjoyed that and then we jumped into episode five and great big spoilers what we giant spoilers out is that the big bad that nobody has mentioned his name and hawkeye has specifically been trying to get kate bishop to not get on his bad side or even let him know that she's alive yeah we found out it's the kingpin. Yep, yep. And yep. you knew that ahead of time because you gotten spoiled the death. Yeah, I, I kind of like, I've been trying to put blinkers on when I was on the internet and everything, but I've been seeing Vincent D'Onofrio's name float around and I was like, oh, I know who that is. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I got spoiled by Florence Pugh showing up as... Um, uh, the Black Widow's sister, yes. as Natasha's sister. Yeah. Because Twitter had, like, in the news for you section a big headline that said that Florence Pugh has been forbidden to post Hawkeye pictures to Instagram because people were complaining about spoilers. And I'm just like, did you just freaking spoil me with a headline talking about people mad about spoilers? Okay. Yep, that's exactly what they did. So, yeah, she was in episode five. Yes. And she was delightful. She was so good. There's a whole scene where she's talking with Kate Bishop. And I don't know if that is her actual accent or if she just does it very well, but her cadence and her accent and the writing... It just you just love to listen to her talk. And she is so forthright about yeah. her abilities and how Kate is absolutely not a threat to her. Like no. her telling her at one point, if I wanted you dead, and Kate said you would have killed me when I opened the door, and she said yes. And it's it's focusing on Florence's face the whole time. And yeah. Kate saying, Yeah, I probably wouldn't have been able to even get the door closed, and she left, No. <laughs> <laughs> it was I loved that entire scene. And I loved all the fight scenes that we got to see. I mean, I'm assuming a lot 
lot of that is with stunt doubles and everything, but it was some really cool fight scenes. And we also found out that um, uh, Natasha's sister disappeared in the blip. Yeah. And that was a cool effect because, yeah. I mean, she was like, it's one scene where she's this in this wealthy mansion and she was thought she was rescuing one of the other black widows from being brainwashed into being an assassin. But it yeah. turned out the woman's like, no, I made a lot of money being a hired killer and now yeah. I live here. Yeah. Um, but she goes into the bathroom and turns the water on to rinse her face off. And there's this poof as she goes to dust. But then she comes back and then she's looking around and the bathroom that she's in morphs into a different color. So she, we are seeing what she sees as she she comes back from the blip yeah. and that is that's only the second time I think that we've seen somebody and I think the first time was in oh. uh, WandaVision yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh man and that's man we'll, we'll have to talk about this later but yeah. yeah so she's she's an awesome character but she tells she sends Kate a text at the end of the episode to say I found out who hired me to kill Clint Barton yeah and show and it's it's Kate's mom yeah and yeah. Kate sees the picture that she showed and she shows it to Clint and she says who is this with my mom and Clint says that's the kingpin yeah yep yep and we do want to go ahead and just say for the record not only have we not watched Spider-Man Far From Home we haven't watched the Black Widow movie and so obviously I mean i in looking up stuff about Hawkeye and just randomly seeing something on the edges, I got spoiled of the fact that at the end of the Black Widow movie, spoilers for the end of the Black Widow movie, by the way, <laughs> you see her sister and somebody convincing her sister that Clint Barton needs to die for letting Natasha die. Yeah, so that yeah. apparently is at the very end of that movie. So, you know, hey, now I found that out. Yeah, so, so she's been hired to kill him, but she's also, this is personal for yeah, her because yeah. she... She doesn't think there's any way that, I mean, that her sister would have died without Clint, like, helping it happen. Yeah. Not yeah. even thinking about the fact that Natasha sacrificed herself because one of them had to. Yeah. And, and I don't even know how much of that she knows. I don't I mean, know. Yeah, who knows? I don't but, yeah. know. Oh, man, we saw that scene with um, Clint going up to the memorial for the, the, the Battle of New York. <gasps> And oh, yeah. he's talking to Natasha oh, about how heart. much he misses her. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth pauses at one point at the end of that scene and says, Clintasha fans were robbed. We were so robbed. Oh, my God. But and I still want to know, like, how much of, like, Clint having a family and the two of them not being together was always meant to be canon and their relationship, the chemistry the two they had, was something that was completely created out of whole cloth by Joss Whedon. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Who knows? Maybe that... Maybe it's just because those two actors had such good chemistry together. That could be it. Mm. Yes, I just. But I've been blaming Joss Whedon this entire time for inventing Barton's family. But now I'm wondering: is like, was this the plan all along? Yeah, I know. And we got a little bit more about the Rolex, and I think it's Laura's Rolex. I guess who's his wife. Because he was telling her about the Rolex, and she's like, wasn't that destroyed in there? And no, and there was something about that he found the Rolex, but he also found notes. And, oh, I loved at one point, I don't know if it was this episode or the last one, I think it was actually the last one, where Kate had broken into this house, and she sees these strobe lights go off, and she immediately hits them with two, like, little putty arrows, and he's over on the intercom, what, 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 and she sees these two bright lights and everything. She finds the Rolex, and she finds this piece of paper, and she's like, 
Clint, it's notes about your family, about your wife and everything. He's like, get out of there, get out of there. She's like, why, why? He said, those lights, they were were alarms for people who were deaf. And it's the woman that he's, of course, been fighting against and everything. And that just chills down my spine when that happened. I'm like, oh, look at that sort of thing. (laughs) But yeah, she's obviously, she's... She's been having a personal vendetta against Ronan yeah. because the Ronan killed her dad. And I think Clint has finally revealed that, yes, he is definitely, in fact, Ronan. And yeah. he told her, yes, he went there and took out her father and his organization acting on a tip from her boss. Yeah. Her boss wanted her dad to die. And yeah. now she's going to have to deal with the fact that who in her organization is working against her and has been feeding information to their boss. And her, like, henchman, the only person that actually knows how to do sign language, I think he's at tops of the list. Yeah. But I really love their scenes together. Yeah. Because he does, the both of them are doing sign language back and forth, and they're not, you can see subtitles, but they're not talking out loud. They're, like, maybe as much as whispering. And yeah. I, that feels so much more like an actual conversation between people who are signing would yeah. go. Yeah. And so her uncle, I mean, because he keeps talking about the uncle and the uncle won't like, I mean, that is the kingpin, right? That sounds like. Because okay, we yeah. saw the uncle, like, pinching her cheek when she was a little girl, but we didn't see who he was. No, so. and they were so careful not to show it. I'm like, oh, the uncle's going to be somebody we've heard of. I'm like, it's got to be the kingpin. Got to be the kingpin. Yeah. So it's all related to yeah. all of it. Oh, my God. And uh, I I was liking how Kate's mother had been written in the fact that a lot of times the mom of the teenage wannabe superhero is either angelic and supportive of everything they do, regardless of how freaking dangerous it is, or they're super overprotective and they need to be taught that their children has got to grow their wings and learn to, you know, fight and all that stuff. And she's she's in the middle point. Yeah. She knows her daughter's amazing, yeah. but she knows this is a world that could get her killed. Yeah. And Clint tells Kate's mom that Kate really is amazing, or he gives some compliment and Kate's mom says, yeah, but Natasha Romanoff was amazing, too. And that doesn't always mean that they survived. Yeah. Which was a dig, but also fair. Yeah, yeah. And it, completely true. And um, But now, knowing that she was the one who hired Natasha's sister to take out Clint, I mean, did she hire him? Did she hire her to take out Clint because of Clint going after her fiance, or is it because she wants to make sure that Clint's dead because her daughter could get in trouble for idolizing Clint and wanting to do what he does? I mean, what exactly are her reasons for hiring somebody to kill Clint? Well, what I'm wondering is, is Jack actually the person in charge of this shadow organization, or was he actually set up by Kate's mom? Yeah, entirely possible. I mean, has Kate's mom this entire time actually been like all giddy in love with this Jack person, or is it all front every single bit? I have no idea. We have no idea where the lies began or end yeah. in this relationship. I mean, we can assume that she really does want to protect her daughter, yeah. but how much has she betrayed her daughter in doing all this kind of stuff? So, and the funny thing is, if you're listening to this, um, the episode, the final episode came out yesterday. So all these questions have been answered, but we haven't seen it yet because time is weird. <laughs> because time is weird. So. Yeah. I I would like it if Jack was actually one of the good guys and it was just a red herring that he was one of the bad guys, especially that whole trick that he had of 
like saying metaphors wrong. Like one of the first things he said when Kate showed up and he was in the the house that, and Kate wasn't expecting it. And he said, what an unexpected surprise. And she just kind of dazed, uh, all surprises are unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they were laughing about that. And he didn't think that that was right. That what they were saying about, you know, that he would mess up metaphors. And I think Kate's mom said something like, you told me the other day that absence makes the heart grow older. It's so cute. It's adorable. It is so cute. Yeah, that would be really fun if he actually turned out to be like like a nice person. I don't know, because Kate may lose her mom because of this, so I hope she's got some kind of pseudo-family member. I, I don't know. Maybe. I'm holding out hope that the kingpin was just too dangerous for her mom to say no, and she's yeah. been playing along to keep every, try to keep everybody safe. I guess. I don't know. Ugh, I don't know. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't seen the um, third season of Daredevil, so I have no idea where the kingpin ended and all that. Yeah, I have seen it, but um, I don't know. I mean, after the first season of Daredevil, which was so good, the next two seasons were fine, I yeah. thought. And I know that Vincent D'Onofrio, I remember he did a really great job, but I, I need to go back and watch it. It's been so long, I don't remember what happened. I just remember in the first season, he was scary. Yeah. Like, he was, when he murdered that journalist, that was probably that, scary. Yeah, exactly. Which I've heard about Kingpin before, but I think they really emphasize that rage element. You know, he's a big guy, and he's really freaking angry. Yeah, so, well, yeah. when he beat that guy to death with a car door, that was really something. Oh, geez, Damn. man, <laughs> alive. But... And we got so much. I think it was the third episode that we finally got to see the real bow and arrow content that I've been really, really coming here for. Yes, yes. And I like the whole Christmas scene with Clint and uh, Kate celebrating a little bit of a Christmas evening together. Yes, and he's teaching her how to like flip bottle caps and turn off the TV with that. (laughs) The one scene when she's trying to call him, because he basically told her um, as soon as he realized that somebody had hired a Black Widow assassin, he told Kate, this is it, this is over, this has gotten real, 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 real quickly. Um, And at first she was like all very sad and then she decided no screw it I'm going to still do this and there's a whole montage of her leaving messages on his voice like a psycho and her saying do you think I want to do this we're going to leave a whole bunch of messages like a psycho (laughs) you see her flipping the bottle cap at one point it goes off screen and hits something and something crashes she's like leaves the screen and goes and gets it (laughs) really I mean the whole the whole show has been very well filmed and really well written. Yeah, and it's Christmassy, and I yes. love the fact that we're going to see the final episode before Christmas takes place. And yeah. by God, Clint Barton better be with his family at the final episode, or I'm going to be mad, mad, mad. Yeah. And that's not a good way to go into Christmas. Yeah. And if, in case you're wondering what Joshua Kay was talking about about the art change in the credits, we're watching it now. At first, I thought it was because the song they picked was um, "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch" from the you know Grinch Stole Christmas animated show and I could tell that they synced the animation to the song I mean even little things like the arrows appearing it was matching all the beats at first I thought oh they've really worked to make this song work for the credits but then the final image comes up where it's kind of like Clint and Kate and the cityscape and everything and then you see the silhouette of the kingpin on the horizon I'm like what? <laughs> really, really well done. That was oh, neat. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was excellent. Yeah. Nice touch there. But I guess it's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the fan art galleries. Don't know if we're going to get a Christmas one. I've actually been looking for fan art that's Christmas styled. I haven't found a lot, but I have been concentrating on Transformers. I think I've mined Transformers Christmas art to death. Maybe, because I don't think the guy who does those lovely Christmas themed animated uh, Transformers gifts has made one for a while. He hasn't. It's been at least three years. Oh, it's, um, 
Space Bridge to Nowhere. Just look up Space Bridge to Nowhere on Tumblr. And he's the guy who takes classic clips from G1 Transformers and he makes them into Christmas themes. And it's <laughs> like somebody beating somebody with a candy cane. Yeah, you know? or um, it's a scene where Megatron is spinning a Energon cube and then you see him chucking it at Starscream while he's changed it so it's a Christmas present. And Starscream, <laughs> it chucks up the head with a Christmas present. Very cute. I don't know, maybe we'll do that. Um, Catherine did post a link to a list of all of the Hugo winners for 2021. And once again, my favorites did not win, but that's mm-hmm. fine because they were all good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ursula Vernon, she had a short story that won, though. That she won. had a short story and a novella that won. She oh, won that's the, right. A, a young adult writer as well. Wow, good for her. She's yeah. awesome. But anyway, all that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So, no, Nigel, next week. No, but two days from when this episode drops, it's going to be Christmas. So, yeah. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Yes. If you don't celebrate, um, Happy Saturday. Yes, yes. Have uh, fun, whatever you happen to be doing, and stay safe. You know? Yes, please. COVID is still a thing. So, yeah. 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 But um, one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. I always watch out. I can't help but cry. I'm going to go pout, and I'm telling you why. Santa Claus ain't coming to Mars. Santa Claus ain't coming to Mars. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus ain't coming. Santa Claus ain't coming to Mars.
Uh, but then, of course, she had... Oh, the cat is scratching in her box. Really? Really? Right now. You have to do that now, Kitty. I'll just let her have her moment. Seriously, cat? I mean, like, all day you could have done that, but you got to do it now. She hears the voices, and she knows she's going to do something to catch her attention. Are you done? Are you done? Are you done? Okay. But then, of course, she had her little run-in with the obelisk in Night Vale, and now she has gotten... Get down. Try again. He even mentions at one point... Gracious, you're just going to have to hear the sound of a cat, like, thumping around and scratching mm-hmm. on things, because we're here with Cricket, and she's being... Ugh. Oh, yeah, she's being a cat. Anyway. <laughs> just making sure all of a sudden I was just like, I did hit start, right? Yeah, okay, we're good, we're good.